Well, Merry Christmas to you. Welcome all of you watching in The Point, all of you watching online, as well as all of you in here. Honored that you'd choose to celebrate Christmas with us. And I love these Christmas Eve services because we have our kiddos in the house. Yeah. We've got three elementary age kids myself. So I thought we'd start with a game that the kids and the adults can all enjoy. Here's how this game will work. I'll show you a picture of a bad guy or a villain. If you know the story that this bad guy is from, you just shout it out as loud as you can. You guys understand the rules? Yeah. All right, here we go. First one. Let's try, let's try it out. First villain, what story is this from? Batman. Very good. Very good. Okay, next one, just for the kids. What story is this bad guy from? The Incredibles. That's right. It's Syndrome. It is syndrome. Now, this one is one most of the adults will know. This is a Christmas story, has two bad guys. What story is this? Home Alone. That's right. Story in which a small child destroys the best laid plans of two fully grown adults, also known as parenthood. Yes, it is parenthood, really. With that in mind, you've got to watch this one scene from America's Funniest Videos of a kid opening a Christmas present. Take a look. See what this shirt says. What's that shirt? Look, Bryden's first Disney trip. <gasps> We're going to Disneyland. Disney We're going World. to Disney World, Bryden. We're going on an airplane to Disney World. Yay, I got goldfish. <laughs> Let me open them now. I want to taste one. Yeah, that is real life right there. That is real life. Well, hey, quick survey. Raise your hand if you remember being afraid of the dark as a kid, or if you're a kid and you still are, we'll assume this was in the long distant past. I remember being afraid of the dark. And I think part of our fear of the dark is that we can't see what's out there. And the reason I showed you those bad guys is that the Christmas story, while it had shepherds and angels in a manger, that's all true. It actually started much earlier with a bad guy, a bad guy who God calls Satan or the devil. And if you're here and you think, oh, I'm too sophisticated to believe in Satan or the devil, the reality is there is evil in our world. Any study of world history, you look at world wars, you look at human nature and what some people do to others, and it's undeniable that there is evil in the world. God attributes that evil to an unseen supernatural being named Satan, and God describes that all of humanity was thrown into darkness because of what the enemy has done. And Jesus said he came into the world to kill, steal, and destroy. So this is why we get cancer. This is why our relationships don't work out sometimes. This is why our bodies wear out and die. It's why we get sick. And the story of Christmas is that when we found ourselves in darkness as individuals and all humankind, that God sent himself into our world to shine a light. You know, when it's dark at night, my three kids in elementary, they love having a nightlight. And the nightlight, that's really the idea of what Jesus is, that he came into a dark world as the light of the world. Now, I've found as an adult that as we move from childhood into grown-up life, there are things other than the literal darkness that we still don't like. For example, there's the darkness of when we can't see the future. We don't know how a situation's going to play out. And just like a child in the darkness is afraid of what they can't see as adults, we're afraid of certain things we can't see. For example, we know our bodies are going to wear out and die someday. 
And as we get closer to that, as we age, we can't see what's on the other side, and so it's normal to be afraid of that. Sometimes we'll have relationships where we give it our best and we love someone and they either betray us or they abandon us or it just doesn't work out. And just like a child looking into the dark saying, I don't know what's there, we look at our relationships and we say, I don't know why it's not working. I don't know why that person did that. Sometimes if we're honest, we look inside ourselves and we see some darkness. Darkness of depression or the darkness of discouragement or sometimes even the darkness of an addiction or a series of choices that we know those choices are hurting the people around us or they're hurting ourselves physically and for some reason we feel like we just can't stop making those choices. I wonder if God would shine light into one area of darkness in your life, what area would you pick? Would it maybe be that he would shine light into your marriage Would it be that he would shine light into your inner person where you maybe have some discouragement? Would it be, (laughs) this is great. We've got a a little guy up here, for those of you watching in the other room, uh, probably about a four or six year old saying yes, and I love the engagement. (laughs) But it was pretty funny when he said yes, he would want the light to shine into his marriage. (laughs) But what area would you pick? And uh, whatever area you pick, here's the good news. Uh, God promised uh, long before we were born that he would send a light into the world and that everyone who receives it would have that light shine into them. Here's how Isaiah put it in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That's referring to Jesus, the light of the world. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, and maybe that's you, that you just feel like everything in my life is dark, a light will shine. And by the way, this is why we call Jesus the Christ. Uh, For a long time, I thought Christ was Jesus' last name because people put them together sometimes. Christ is actually an ancient word for the Messiah or the Savior. The idea that God would become a human so that he could rescue all of us from the darkness. And so when we celebrate Christmas, Christmas, We are celebrating that the Messiah did come to earth in a real historically documented person named Jesus. And in the 2,000 years since, every decade, millions more people follow him because those of us who've believed in him, even if it seems impossible, we've stepped out in faith and we've said, God, if you're there, I wanna believe, we've experienced that his light can shine into the dark areas of our lives. So here's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to bring light to the darkness in your life. There's no darkness in your life that's too deep for Jesus to reach. There's nothing in your life that Jesus can't heal if you'll surrender it to him, if you'll bring it to him in faith. In fact, I believe that God brought you here today because he cares deeply about the pain in your life. The God who made you, he doesn't want you living in disappointment. He doesn't want you living under a cloud of shame or regret. He doesn't want you living in constant loneliness or in darkness. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, John, that all sounds great. And for kind of cleaned up church people who just need a little bit of light, great. But John, you don't understand how deep the darkness is in my life. You don't understand how deep my mistakes are or in my family system. You don't understand how deep the darkness is. And God brought you here today because you need to know that there's no darkness too deep 
that belief in Jesus can't lift you up out of. And I could tell you all about that. I could tell you stories of hundreds of people I've met and hundreds of scriptures, but I'd rather show you than tell you. So go ahead and take a look. I grew up in San Jose and came from a great town, great family. Me and my dad and all my friends really bonded over sports, so that was really what I was into. My senior year in high school, I went out for the team and I ended up getting cut, and that floored me. So immediately the next day, um, I went to school looking for another crowd. Things quickly progressed because it felt like I didn't fit in, and I was afraid that I wasn't going to make this team. When acting a certain way and talking a certain way wasn't working, I quickly started to obsess and started to think, what can I do to hold on to my image? And so I got this idea and says, I know what I'll do next. I'll rob a store. And I eventually did it, not only once, but twice, and a third time. And so the third time, I went in and I put myself in a situation that I felt like I was losing control. And there I was in that moment of thinking back and forth, I can't stay and I can't go. So I did the only thing I, I knew how to do because I couldn't let go. I did both. I pulled the trigger and I ran. Two days later, I confessed completely to the detectives and I remember calling home to my family, telling them how sorry I was. And I remember stopping and saying, do you still love me? And I remember something so specific that they said, they told me, not only do we love you, but we'll get through this. We will get through this. Not you will get through this, we. And in that moment, I really realized God had shown me for the first time and in the best way he could and the best way I could understand at the time that love never fails even when I do. Two days later, I was arraigned in Superior Court at 18 years old for attempted robbery and first degree murder. I remember in the next few days just crying out to God, help me, help me, help me, help me. This wasn't supposed to happen. This is not who I am. I thought it would all go away. I thought the walls would fall down around me and I'd walk out and this would just be erased. But that didn't happen. So one year later, after going through the process, I was eventually sentenced then at 19 years old to 28 years to life and stay in prison. So in 2009, I eventually got my first opportunity to um, ask for a second chance, for that freedom. And when I was sentenced in 1993, no one had ever come home under a 28-year-to-life sentence. So people would tell me there's not a chance, but I never stopped believing. So I went in to the hearing in 2009 and essentially just put my heart on the table. It led to a recess where they eventually deliberated. No sooner then I got comfortable in the chair. They said, okay, we're back on record. And we have concluded that the inmate is suitable for parole. Just after they had told me we had found you suitable for parole, I heard a voice as clear as I'm speaking now say, I've been with you this whole time. And that's when I lost it. That's when I had my white light moment, but in reverse, that's when God showed me the things that I did not understand, that he had been with me this whole time, that despite the pain, despite the shame, despite the failure, he didn't let me go. He didn't abandon me. 
I think the greatest lesson, the greatest insight, the greatest understanding that God gave me in my darkest hour was even though we may feel there are no answers around us and we're alone and we may be asking why and, and we have to keep up the dance on the outside, we're never alone. You could be surrounded by people and feel so alone, be in such a dark place. But if we keep that, that darkness within us and we do not share it, we do not open up, God's grace can't come in. I'm getting the opportunity to speak to people one-on-one or getting invited to Stanford and speak to a, a, a group of kids who are there for the day at a, at a camp. These are great opportunities and they're such a blessing. So when you just put your heart on the table, it's amazing how that vulnerability can really set you free and how God can really step up and do amazing things and inspire people. And that's really where my heart is, is just to continue to share God's story. In the Bible, God speaks to you and he says this. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I love Brian's story because you talk about deep darkness. He made the worst mistake that any of us could ever make. That mistake brought real consequences that he deserved, and he spent 16 years of his life in prison. 16 years living under a cloud of shame and regret. And yet God had never abandoned him. God was just waiting all along for the moment when Brian would turn to him and say, I need your help. And what you need to know today is that no matter what mistakes you've made, God doesn't turn his back on you. The good news of Christmas is that through Jesus, because he was the Messiah, because he's the Christ, the Savior, if you place your faith in him, then when God looks at you, he sees the legal record and the record of perfection of Jesus attributed to you. That's what happens when you say, God, I need salvation. I believe in Jesus I know I've made mistakes. When we own what we've done wrong or what's wrong in our lives and we say, God, I believe in Jesus, then he attributes to us, he gives to our record all of Jesus' perfection. I wonder if you've ever had a moment like Brian where you've called out to God like that. If you haven't yet, I wanna encourage you, you're never too messed up, you're never too broken for God. You know, sometimes as a parent, I can see where my kids are going to mess up, but they're, they're little and they have to make some mistakes, right? We learn to walk by falling down over and over again. And if I corrected every mistake before they made it, they'd never learn anything. I mean, I've, I've got one that spills just about every drink that you give this child. And so there are times when I'm tempted to say, you're going to eat this meal without drinking anything. But I don't want them to grow up and be an adult and be at a job interview someday and spill their drink in the middle of a job interview. So what I do is I give them the drink and then I just get the paper towels ready. I know what's coming. And God's the same way with us. You realize before you were even born, God knew you. You're made in the image of God. He has plans for you. And he knew where the darkness of this world would infect your life. He knew the mistakes you would make. And so before you even made your mistakes, he sent a Messiah to pay for your mistakes. Romans 5 verse 8 puts it this way. God showed his great love for you by sending Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, to die for us. Why did he have to die for us on the cross? Well, what happened is that he took our punishment God is a God of justice and the consequences for every mistake I've made, every lie you've told, every wrong thing we've done, all those consequences Christ took upon himself 
Just like a superman coming from another planet with godlike abilities but choosing to become human and grow up in human schools. He came into our world so that he could rescue us and so that we, as kind of small creatures compared to God, could understand God. And all who believe in Christ have our sins forgiven. And so even while we were still sinners, that is while we were messing up with our backs turned to God, he willingly died in our place. As a result, there's no mistake you've made or anyone else has made to you or around you that God can't forgive and make right through his work on the cross. Belief in Jesus can lift you out of any darkness. Belief in Jesus also can fill any emptiness. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, wow, that was a moving story about Brian, but you know, there's no deep darkness in my life. Others of us, we've got, you know, the job we like and the family's pretty good, but there's just kind of an emptiness. Life's not complete. And if that's you, I want you to pay special attention to this true story of a guy named JT who lives right here in Brownsburg and coaches football and who's had an introduction to Jesus in the last year. Go ahead and take a look. My name is JT Whitaker. I'm a father of three. I'm a physical education teacher at Brownsburg High School and I'm happily married to my wife, Marissa. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, and then as I got older, I kind of drifted away. I felt like it was forced on me, but I didn't understand why it was forced on me. And so I think that entire experience, you know, left a, a, a bitter taste in my mouth towards faith. And, and it, it sent me down a path of almost going the opposite way. Two years ago, some of my friends that I work with, coworkers, invited me to a men's faith group called Fight Club. I wasn't sure what to expect going into it. I figured that I was going to be the odd man out based on the fact that I had no faith. I quickly found that there were a lot of men that had many things they needed to work on. Nobody was perfect by any means. And it was an eye-opening experience for me. And I just remember sitting in the room, feeling something inside that I hadn't felt in a long time. I just wanted to know more. It, it, it piqued my interest and, and I was curious because I think I always felt that I was missing something in my life. As a father, I wanted to be more patient and more understanding to my children. Um, as a husband, um, I wanted to be more supportive to my wife. Um, as a teacher, I wanted to be a better role model to kids. Um, there wasn't a phase in my life that I looked at and said I can't be better at. I just felt like something overall was missing. Once the Fight Club ended, I wanted to kind of keep things going. So I decided to start attending church at Connection Point. My really good friend, uh, Casey Pabinfus and his wife, um, they attend every Sunday. And he had invited me for a couple years now. And so I said, all right, I'll give it a try. I was there and I was looking and, you know, oftentimes when you're looking for something, you're waiting for some type of sign that says, hey, you're in the right place, this is where you should be. And at that moment, I felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be hearing what I was supposed to hear. I just felt my faith growing. I felt like um, for the first time in a long time, I began to believe. And then I attended a Sunday service where they did baptisms. And I just felt this strong urge throughout the baptism of, you know, this is something I need to do. 
once they called us up and we went back, I just remember just overwhelming tears of just joy and happiness, unlike I had experienced. Coming back up, you know, after being baptized in the water, I just felt different. I knew, I knew something was different. I felt like I was truly born again. I'm a perfect example of there's not some huge traumatic event that's occurred in my life. I just knew that I wasn't whole. So if you don't feel whole, if you still feel like you're missing something, that's okay. And if there's somebody that's near you or, or a loved one that's reaching out to you and, and is wanting you to be a part of something bigger than yourself, just take that leap of faith because that's the first step in the right direction. And there's a reason that person's in your ear telling you, um, hey, come try this, or hey, come here. It, it's God working through them to get you to where he wants you to be. Yeah. JT and Brian, I'm not sure which one you relate to more but they're two of the millions of people who have experienced the transforming power of Christ to fill the emptiness, to lift out of darkness, just within our lifetimes. It's incredible if you think about it, that this week, about half of the world will celebrate Christmas in some way. One out of three people in the world will celebrate Christmas as a believer, believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the most followed person of ever, anyone in human history. 2.4 billion followers today, according to the Pew Research Center. That's about 20 times more than the biggest celebrity on Instagram. Only Jesus' followers aren't following him for makeup and fashion advice. They're believing in him as almighty God. There's a reason why someone who lived 2,000 years ago continues to gain millions of new followers every year. And it's because if you will step out in faith, you'll find that he can bring fulfillment to the empty parts of your life. He can lift you out of deep darkness. And here's how JT did it. Here's how you can do it. John 1.12 says this, all who believe in him, all who accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. That's why JT described coming up out of the waters of baptism, feeling like he was born again, born into the family of God. You see, there's not a bunch of good deeds you have to do to know that you're right with God, that you have eternal life in heaven. There's no amount of money you need to pay to a church or special fancy prayers you need to say. It's as simple as acknowledging, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's things about me that are broken. And Jesus, I believe that you're God and you came to make me whole. Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? If you believe that he died on the cross to make you complete, and if you express to God, God, I need that healing, I need that light, then the word of God says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You don't have to have it all figured out to believe. When I started believing, I was a skeptic and I just said, God, if you're there, I wanna believe. I love it that JT, he started attending here every week when he wasn't a believer. And if that's where you're at, you've got to know you're welcome here every week. You're going to hear the truths of Jesus taught, just like I'm doing today, every weekend at this church. And you're welcome here no matter where you are. My prayer for you today is to take a step closer to believing in him so that you can know you're his child 
so that you can know when your body wears out that the inner part of you, your soul, which will live forever, has a place in the house of God. So that you can know you have brothers and sisters who will support you and care for you. So that you can know that you're freed from your shame, from any kind of regret or guilt or addiction, because that's what happens to children of God. We get freed from those things through what Jesus did on the cross. Well, little admission, something kind of silly that I like to do when I'm out shopping around. Every once in a while, I like to imagine all the adults as about seven-year-old children. It's really kind of funny if you think about it. If you imagine them in their same clothes, but as a seven-year-old, because aren't we all really kids inside if we're honest about it? Like we're all just looking for that affirmation. We're all looking for where do I belong? I want you to think of yourself as a child for a moment. And I wonder if you picture your creator, the God who made you, how do you think he feels about you as a child? Do you feel like you belong in his house? Do you feel like he would want you near him? The message of Christmas is that through Jesus, he expressed that he wants you near and you can come near. If you wonder, does God actually care about me? Does he understand my struggles? Does he know where I don't fit in? Then I want you to watch this illustration. This one's not a true story, but I believe this one demonstrates to me the heart of God as expressed in the Bible and in the person of Jesus. Take a look and think about yourself in relationship to God. Hello, little one. How are you? Uh, Come. Well. Uh, she's deaf. You don't have to talk to her. She just wanted to see you. Thank you. <laughs> you are a very beautiful young lady. <laughs> What's your name? Sammy. That's a beautiful name. <laughs> now, I tell you what. Do you know Jingle Bells? Bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Darling, what would you like for Christmas? A doll and a bear? Well, you shall have them. Sammy, I wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Your creator makes you a promise in his word. He says... If you seek me, then you will find me if you search with all your heart. There were two girls in that little video. The one sought out and she was surprised when she got there. If you've never sought God before or, or never really brought him the things about you that are broken or that you feel are dark, 
This is the Christmas to actually say in your heart, God, I I do believe or I want to believe. Will you help me? I don't know which of those two children you related to. There was the one who came to Santa and then there was the other one who was kind of looking on from the distance. She was skeptical. That was me for a season in my life and maybe that's you. Maybe you were invited here by someone who says they're experiencing a personal relationship with God and you've been watching and you think it's all kind of weird but there's something about it. If that's you, I can't encourage you enough to do like JT did and just start joining us here every week in your new year. Make it a year where you actually seek God and take him up on this promise that if you seek me, you'll find me. Here's how Jesus put it when he described himself as the light of the world. He said this, I'm the light of the world and if you follow me, this has to do with your will, your choice, because you're made in the image of God, he gives you a will. He doesn't force you to follow him, he invites you to, but it's your choice. And he says, if you follow me, then you won't have to walk in darkness anymore. Your life on earth won't have to be defined by darkness and your eternity won't need to be defined by darkness. In fact, if you follow me, you will have the light that leads to life. That's the light that we celebrate at Christmas. It's the light that God wants you to experience. And I'd love to pray and just take you to God right now. Father, I pray across this room that the light of the world would shine into each of our lives. We know you're generous and you offer this light, but every one of us has a will. Every one of us has a lever. We get to decide, will we open the door? Will we open the shades? Will we let your light shine into us or will we reject it and say, no thanks God, I've got it on my own. Lord, I pray across this room right now that you will give the humility to all of us to acknowledge that no matter how put together we might look, no matter how successful we've been, there are broken and dark areas in all of our lives. And right now we open those up to you as the light of the world. I pray, Father, for those who are believing in you for the very first time, that right now they would experience that you would draw them to salvation, that they would call out from their hearts simply saying, Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. I believe you died on the cross for me. Adopt me into your family. Give me salvation. Give me eternal life. Make me your child. Lord, for believers in this room who've known your power, but right now there's disappointment or darkness in their life, I pray that thinking on you as the light of the world would prompt them to open up those broken areas, that every one of us would experience you in such a way that our souls can genuinely sing, all is calm, all is bright. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.